Hi, hello, and welcome. This is the Zonecast, where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs, and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show, uh, Pascal Odat. Uh, she is the CEO of uh, Carebook uh, Technologies. Uh, hi, Pascal, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing really well. And how are you doing? I am good and I'm excited for this particular interview and talking to you about your uh, business and your product. Um, but first I wanna start by uh, exploring your background. Can you share your hmm. professional and personal background? Of course. Well, um, professionally, uh, over 25 years of ex different executive leadership roles, uh, maybe what differentiates me from other people in my industry is that it was both in the for-profit, but also in the non-for-profit organizations, uh, but always focused on driving growth, uh, mostly global growth. And so, for example, before Carebook, uh, and amongst other wonderful projects I had the, the privilege uh, of doing, I joined a small online gaming studio in BC uh, that ended up, then ended up being acquired by the Walt Disney Company. So it was my first experience with M&A at that time. And, but we were the ones being acquired at the time. And so I was able to stretch, really stretch my expertise by taking on one of their franchise global. It was called uh, Club Penguin. And we expanded it to 170 countries, engaging over 300 million users. And so also my entry into technology and understanding how the power of internet, the power of good product built for individuals really will make a difference. So my favorite thing to do, um, both personally and professionally, is to surround myself with strong individuals, strong experts, and go after a disciplined and aggressive growth plan for products that I know make a difference in people's lives. So again, I think that's why my non-for-profit background that brings me back to this. I need that combination of the people's first, uh, making a difference, a positive impact in people's lives, but also making great financial returns for shareholders. And so it's the balancing of those two acts that are challenging to me and exciting. Uh, so we've done it in the past and we'll do it again. Uh -huh. Um, so can you talk about um, Carebook Technologies, uh, what it is and how the idea came about? Sure, absolutely. So Carebook is a global leader in digital health and a connector to a new model of healthcare, we like to say. So model that is people's first, preventative, accessible and connected health for everyone. Our vision is we believe in a world where everyone is empowered to be actively engaged and fully supported in managing and improving their overall health. So that's our big vision we're going after. Where do we come from? We re-originated from top medical clinics uh, across Canada. Uh, and the idea was born when a member of those clinics visited Africa. And that's actually very interesting. And they noticed that the residents of this small little country called Lesotho used a little book, like a diary, to track all their family's health information in one spot. Every mama was going around with these little books that they were carrying and, and had all the data in it related to an individual's health. So the idea of consolidating people's health information digitally was then explored in those clinics. And shortly afterwards, the first initial care book patient portal was developed for those clinics. 
So that then at that time, Carabook, that technology was acquired by uh, the Elements and the PCP group in Montreal, and I became the CEO right at that time. So obviously, we started focusing on the fact that it was quite alarming, the rise of the chronic diseases across much of the globe. And so this spurred on the idea of turning the healthcare model from reactive to preventative. How do we help people actually avoid developing chronic conditions? So the patient portal evolved, obviously, to engage and empower patients on their health and wellness journey by offering health assessments, to personalizing their rec- our, the recommendations we were making to them so that we ended up helping them reduce their risk of developing certain chronic conditions. Now we've evolved from that today. Our mission has grown beyond the clinic setting that we originated from to also focus on working with industries, companies, insurers that are largely responsible for supporting people on their health journeys. So as I was saying, employers, insurance companies, primary care professionals like pharmacies. So this gives us the greatest opportunity to reach and improve the lives of millions of people around the globe. So from a little country called Lesotho to where we are today, but still focused on the same mission. So I'm just trying to understand. So if I'm, let's say, an employer or a pharmacy, yeah. I can yeah. use uh, the care book, uh, book solution to create, let's say, a detailed profile of the patients and, and the full uh, health history. Is that accurate? Uh, it's 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 always focused on the end users. And so we, we offer, and I can give you a quick description of each of the solutions that we have, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's always the solutions, whether it be for the pharmacy, an employer, insurance, it always is in the form of a website or an app that finds itself in the hands of the end user, the patient, the, in, the, the individuals, and then it is attached to the payer. And so what we focus on is the engaging, engaging, uh, engagement, sorry, I am French. And so sometimes there will be a few Uh hiccups. (laughs) Uh Apologies for that. Uh, So we focus on engaging individuals with their own health. And in uh, in return, what it does is once somebody is engaged with their own health, uh, populating and and filling out uh, health, uh, health related data, Uh, filling out their files and their profiles, then there's a lot of data that can be used in return to increase uh, the ability for pharmacists, for example, for an employer to have visibility into how things are going with that individual and then support them better. So basically, if I were to give you a high-level view into what we do is that Carebook's family of really powerful, highly engaging customer-centric digital solutions empower pharmacies, employers, and insurers to enable their customers, employees, insurers to take control of their health journeys every step of the way. So we have three different groups now and three different sets of solutions that all can work together over time to add value to each other. But for now, to simplify, I could give you a quick run-through the, the three different standalone solutions that we have. Would that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we have our pharmacy solution. 
So we offer it to large pharmacy retailers like Rexall, for example, in Canada. And so it is an all-in-one app, customer-facing digital platforms. It's a mobile or it's a web app that brings together a lot of different functionalities. So when I say all-in-one, it means in one app, an individual, a client of a certain pharmacy will be able to do a lot of things like medication management. So of course, like fill and refill a prescription without having to go to the pharmacy. Uh, the ability for individuals and families of caregivers. So if I'm a caregiver, I take care of my parents, I can go and use that app to manage all related information for the people that I care for in one place. We have comprehensive health assessments and recommendations that are based on the results of those, um, of those health assessments. Again, as I was mentioning before, to help people reduce risks of chronic disease. Also, the app connects to your to health services like telemedicine. We're not offering telemedicine, but we connect individual to telemedicine providers if they need that service at a certain time. So we are that central hub that you use in your daily life. When needed, we connect you back to certain services as you need them. We integrate retail services like loyalty programs, rewards, e-commerce. So it ends up being a single point of access. So it is a, a, a single point of access for individuals. And what really, uh, if we can talk about the differentiators, is this is the biggest differentiator out there. Uh, usually a pharmacy app will only offer fill and refill, for example. So people use it very little. They use it once a month or every three months when they go and refill their prescriptions. This is, a, this is an all included, this is a health and wellness app that on top of it offers you your standard pharmacy functionalities and also is attached to loyalty programs, rewards, e-commerce, all of that, why? Because we want people engaged. We want people using the app a lot so that they become adherent to that app. They see a benefit to using it in their day-to-day -day life. And, and what that does is it accumulates a lot more information for pharmacists. They can, in, they can in turn support their clients better because they know about them more and also creates uh, loyalty. So individuals will stay with that pharmacy because that app provides way more than your standard solution. Wow, that's, does that make uh, sense? Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty neat concept. So, uh, the app or the website would allow the patients to enter their healthcare information, and then this Absolutely. information is something that the pharmacies, the insurers, and the employers can use uh, yes. to provide to provide their uh, services. So that's uh, that's a cool idea. Um, so, can you talk about uh, the traction that you've had in terms of number of users, revenues, or healthcare partnerships, uh, clients, uh, if you can uh, share some stats on that. Yeah, uh, in the last year, uh, we launched our solution with Rexall in Canada um, in, I think it's in May 2000, uh, to 2020. So if you want actual numbers, I was not, uh, was not preparing for that. So that, that's okay, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, um, I, can, I can find a few things uh, really quickly. So, uh, hold on, I'm almost there. Okay, so for example, so we launched in uh, in May 2020, as I was saying, uh, mm -hmm. Rexall, who is owned by McKesson Canada, 
is about uh, 450 pharmacies, if I'm not mistaken, like around that. And mm. they, were, they were expecting a few hundred thousand downloads and we ended up downloading a multiple more. So today, a member of the Be Well program, which is their white label program that they've developed is over 2 million members. And so the loyalty and the engagement that that created was so exciting for them. They were not expecting that at all. Also, it increased the uh, propension for people to, to uh, renew their prescription, on, prescription online by 330%. And so, which means that people before were using uh, the, their app for to renew prescriptions way less, whereas now people are really engaged with the solution. Uh, our app store ratings are super high compared, compared to an average pharmacy app, which is at, let's say, 3.3 on 5. Our app are, are always between 4.4 and 4.6 on 5. Net promoter score of 70%, super high, close to what Apple's uh, net promoter score is. So in terms of how it's going, it, it's really great. Um, we, uh, we have an exclusivity uh, with McKesson for their pharmacies in Canada. They own about a third of all pharmacies. So they get to distribute the app the way they want for the duration of our contract with them. But we own the IP. And so we are actively going at distributing this solution globally. So we're going to other pharmacy chains. We're going to pharmacy management system uh, providers, and so we have different entries to go after the market. It's going really well right now. The traction is wonderful. Clients, potential clients are seeing the benefit of using that app as opposed to a much more conservative approach that has been used so far. I would say the big thing that our clients right now are finding is that in the last year, because of COVID in particular, the um, digital health and the, all the, the different digital health uh, solutions offered, including telemedicine, but solutions like ours are really contributing to people's ability to have access to healthcare much easier. And people are using and they're happy that this is happening. And so consumers want the digital health, but businesses such as pharmacies are sometimes very conservative and so then they won't necessarily recognize that need until it's really there and it's too late because they did not react fast enough. So we come to them with a SaaS model. It's easy to integrate. We can white label their solution, that a solution for them and up they go. So they can now compete with the Amazon of this world, for example, who has started doing fill and refill. And so they know now like Amazon is there. So Amazon is a giant. If they want to compete, you need to have something that will keep your, your clients engaged. So that's what we're focusing on. Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. Uh, do you have any direct competitors in, uh, in Canada? In Canada, we don't. And as I said, we have an exclusivity with McKesson. So Canadian market is covered <laughs> with, with this wonderful partnership and clients that, in, uh, that we have in McKesson, Canada. Uh, in certain markets we do, I would say the biggest competitor is sometimes some of those pharmacy chains have their own sometimes very old, uh, very they, with a, like a love, but they do have uh, an old app that's been used, as I was telling you, for fill and refill. 
So you need to go in and tell them how and show them how different and how improved our solution is. But there's a little bit of friction because that IT team that loves their app, obviously, will not let it go so easily. So you have to convince them, show them numbers, show them them KPIs, and then uh, the wind starts turning. The marketing team is very happy because you're now talking about loyalty and engagement. And that's all sorts of things that the marketing team for those chains are excited about. I would say a med advisor, for example, in Australia, who is mostly doing business in Australia, would be our closest competitor. I see. I see. Um, So you you recently had a huge uh, funding round, about 11.28 million. Um, So can you talk about your funding round? Um, Why did you um, raise the money? What do you plan to invest in? And how was your uh, Mm -hmm. whole uh, fundraising experience like? Well, fundraising will never be the, the, for me, (laughs) where I like to spend my time. At the same time, it gives me the opportunity to meet uh, different types of investors and be challenged in our mission and where we're going in our plans. So it's always a good sounding board for me. Uh, was How did it go? It, it, it went well. It, it was a bit slower because it was right in the middle of the summer, as you, as you know. So we started end of June. And the reason why we started a bit late is that, back to your question, why, why were we doing a raise at that time? Um, back in April... Uh, we uh, did an acquisition that was, and we used um, a lender for that, like big, big bank in the, in Canada. And so, and as part of the, the rules for that, for that loan, we had to reimburse a certain part. And so we ne- we knew we needed to raise, but we took advantage of the fact that we knew we needed to raise money to uh, go after and push to close a, another acquisition. So we closed that acquisition, uh, except for financing, obviously, right before we started our finance, um, our financing back in end of June. So we closed the acquisition. We just needed the financing. Then we did our raise and we closed it. So we were able back to back to last Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting now. Was as it been so almost two weeks? We announced the close of our financing, and then last Monday we were able to announce the close of the acquisition. So that's that's uh, that's why we were doing the raise, and obviously some uh, some money for organic growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, if for your fundraising, um, what are you able to raise at the valuation that you wanted? Can you talk about like what kind of uh, funding was it a combination of debt and equity? And if you can uh, elaborate on that. Uh, no, well, obviously at the market, as I'm sure you've seen is, is, uh, is not being super nice with uh, digital health companies these days. And so, no, we, we definitely were hoping to be able to raise at a higher value. Uh, we ended up raising at, uh, at a dollar a share, which is very low. Um, and so obviously our valuation since the moment we went public has, uh, has, uh, has gone down a, a bit, obviously. So I think it was about like in the, in the low forties is our valuation. Mm-hmm. So as, as, uh, as I said, we were obviously hoping we wouldn't have to raise at that value, never ideal. At the same time, it's a give and take because we just added like after the close of that second acquisition, uh, we're uh, we're looking at having tripled, easily tripled, the revenue from where we where we started 
the beginning of the year, so our, fis our fiscal year. So and on one end, you're raising at uh, really low, but on the other end, you're actually tripling the value of your business as in, in terms of revenue. So now what we hope is that the market's gonna see it, that we are following our plans, that we are on, that we are on par in terms of what we said we we're gonna go do and that the market will start uh, seeing it. Uh, and we'll see our stock go up. So that obviously that's our that's our plan. And that's our hope. But I'm not responsible for what they're going to do. I'm responsible for going after our plans and just making it happen. Mm -hmm. That's uh, particularly great. Um, so, how have things changed uh, in terms of since you fundraised? Do you think um, it will be different? Obviously, you will have some um, interactions with your investors. You have to. Uh, you have to, you know, share your results and you have to uh, meet with them or consult with them. So do you think that will take a lot of time away from other business activities or do you think that is something you can uh, easily uh, manage? Yeah, that's a very good question. I have to say, obviously, my job is different today than it was uh, before October 2020, before we went public, but I, I am so uh, grateful for the fact that I was able to surround myself, as I was saying before, as much as I am so well surrounded for uh, and by experts to grow this business, experts in products and technology and revenue, etc., I'm also surrounded by a wonderful CFO, by uh, an IR con consultant who has come alongside me almost from day one to really inform me, to explain where my role should be, how much time I should be investing in it. And so outside of obviously those quarterly um, uh, results um, uh, uh, that we need to expose, obviously, um, I'm less involved than my CFO and that IR consultant. Also, our chairman, Dr. Elman, is also very involved. And so we're, we're sharing the load when it comes to uh, IR relation, IR con uh, uh, investor relation, sorry. Mm -hmm. so, so it is, it is, ma it is manageable. And I would say the majority, um, the majority of my time is spent on growing the business. Um, now, mind you, in four months, we closed two acquisitions. So that's a lot of where my time went. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so what are your um, goals um, for the next 12 to 24 months? Um, are there any specific milestones you plan to achieve? On a, from a revenue point of view, we have not disclosed uh, our revenue projections. So obviously I can't, uh, I can't talk to you about this, but when it comes to uh, our big milestones, it's more about how we plan to integrate and to how I call it with my team is, I wanna, I wanna do one plus one plus one equals seven. So one being our organic growth, our pharmacy solution. We ended up not talking about the two, two other offerings we have, the second one is to integrate wellness checkpoint, which is our suite of health uh, assessment from physical and mental health, integrate it in a way that is um, cross-selling to the big employers that they have. The majority of their clients are big employers around the globe. And so we wanna optimize what we know to do well, which is engagement and help this, uh, help this group wellness checkpoint 
continue to do even better than they're doing right now. Uh, and the third one is the Core Health Solution, which is the latest company that, that we just acquired, who, that is a uh, leading platform that powers health and wellness programs. So it's, it's a tech play. It focuses on empowering companies such as us, actually, to be able to better um, provide content because they take care of the tech side and they enable those companies to be able to easily uh, put their content on it. I would say like a Shopify for the health and wellness uh, market. So our goal is to take those three components, those strong technologies, strong sets of features and figuring, figure out, we don't wanna go everywhere, we wanna focus. And so we're doing a lot of market research, a lot of analysis, a lot of uh, com competitors analysis to make sure that if we do combine our efforts, we're gonna end up with a solution that is differentiated from the get-go, that is making a difference that people engage with and that employers, insurers, et cetera, really see a benefit in, um, in onboarding. So that's our focus is really, how do we take what we have and multiply, not just add, just multiply it in terms of results. Wow, so that's, uh, that's uh, pretty interesting that you have some uh, um, <clears throat> interesting milestones to achieve and you have- Yeah, we do. Uh, raised um, a good, good amount of money and you have done some acquisitions. So it mm -hmm. seems like uh, the next few years uh, for uh, Carebrook will be pretty uh, thrilling and exciting. It already is, but it's gonna continue being even more exciting, that's for sure. All right, perfect. Um, so do you wanna share a fun fact about yourself? Ha, huh. okay. Um... Fun fact, when I um, joined the, the startup in the Kelowna, BC, that was a gaming studio that ended up being acquired by the Walt Disney Company, I had never worked in English before. <laughs> I took a job that was only English. And so I remember sitting, and it's not that long ago, it would be in 2007, um, I was sitting at the leadership table and was trying to put my words together. And I remember telling the team, you have to believe me, I am smarter than I sound. <laughs> and I still remember how difficult it was for me to express myself in English at, the at that time. But for some reason, I picked it up and, um, and life has been good for me. Great opportunities to practice my English. So I would say, I don't know if it's fun, but I know it was very stressful for me at the time. Uh, and they thought it was very funny that I said that. So that's, that's, what, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting that you actually uh, said that. Um, yeah. So you, you mentioned that um, you're from Montreal. And you also lived in uh, in uh, Kelowna, BC. Yeah, so, so beautiful. Uh, so can you talk about like your experiences living in these two uh, places, of and course. which one do you, which one do you like more? Oh, I have no favorite. After 15 years in, in BC, uh, obviously I was raised in Montreal, so I'm definitely French Canadian. So culturally, uh, I find myself maybe more at home um, back in Montreal now. Uh, but what I found in BC that I'm really trying to keep with me, even though it's been almost like six years now that I'm back, 
Um, so BC is, it, it is true when we say that it is more laid back. It is very personable. Um, people are take their time. They, which I like to say, like they, they live to, they work to live. Whereas in Montreal, there's a tendency to live to work. Uh, so it's a balance. I think it showed me the importance of balance. So I don't know that I prefer one to the other, but I know that the combination of both, having been such a big part of my life, really brought me balance. So I would say that that's that. Um, having said that, if it wasn't for the fires burning um, really intensively this summer in British Columbia, which is so sad to see, uh, and so Kelowna ends up being uh, in smoke a lot, I would say the climate in Kelowna is hard to beat. It's a microclimate, very warm, very mild winters. So that's hard not to love that part. So that that's that's about it. Great people in in both places. Uh -huh. That's uh, that's interesting. Thank you for uh, sharing that. Um, well, Pascal, it has been very nice uh, speaking with you and learning about you and your background and your business and your story. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, you want to share your website? Uh, how can people find you? Uh, yes, Carebook. Well, it's very easy. Carebook, www.carebook.com. All right, perfect. And through that, uh, very soon we will have the links because it's been so, uh, it's, it's, it happens so last minute. Uh, very soon we'll have the links to the new companies that we just acquired. And so you'll have a, a full view into all the great, the great stuff we're doing. All right, that's uh, that's great. Uh, well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this particular episode and you get a chance to learn from Pascal uh, about her, her story of um, entrepreneurship and uh, her background and a care book as well. And as uh, Pascal mentioned, uh, if you have any questions, you can visit the website and learn more. And they'll be posting some more information about the companies they acquired. So feel free to visit the website. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.